Welcome to Don't You Want Me, a podcast series taking a light-hearted look at the most relatable, intriguing and dysfunctional relationships in film. I'm Kat. And I'm Rich. Never mind my stomach. Well, I mind your nose and your head broken. Broken? broken. Sure. They use Maria for an excuse to start World War Three. It is more than that. More than what? She was only dancing. With an American. It was really a Polak. Says they speak. You are not so cute. A delivery boy? And what are you? An assistant. See, and Gino makes half of what the Polak makes. Oh, the Polak is an American. Hey, your mother's a Pole, your father's a Swede, but you, you were born, born here, that's all that you need. In this episode, we're talking about 1961's West Side Story, which was nominated for 11 Academy Awards and won 10, making it still the all-time most successful musical at the Oscars. Based on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins, and a score by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and a screenplay by Ernest Lehman, this was the highest grossing film in 1961 and pretty much changed the face of musicals forever. The Hollywood Reporter said, So good that superlatives are superfluous. Let it be noted that the film musical, the one dramatic form that is purely American and purely Hollywood, has never been done better. Tonight we'll be heading to the roof with Bernardo, played by George Chakaris, and Anita, played by Rita Marino. And along the way, we'll stop at the bridal shop with Tony, played by Richard Bamer, and Maria, played by Natalie Wood. Are these relationships wild and bright, or are they going into mad shooting stars into space? So I think this uh, film that we're dealing with tonight might have the greatest score of all time. And I think it's uh, there's something about the music in it. It's impossible not to feel the love and the human emotion sort of coursing through this movie. And um, I think it's also interesting, but given that it's based on Romeo and Juliet, what West Side Story does as a version of that play is that it offers you a little something extra in terms of the relationship because it gives us Tony and Maria, which feels like it's a sort of bond that's born out of all of this youthful idealism and just fancying someone and loving the idea of, you know, falling for someone but then you also have Anita and Bernardo and they feel like their their bond is something that you know there's a realness there there's friction they're two people that know each other really well they're quite different they like winding each other up and that's all part of the attraction and that feels like quite a kind of fleshed out relationship between two people at a very different point of life to Tony Maria. I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, Bernardo and Anita, they were kind of had this crackle between them, like an old married couple. Um, And it felt like however old they were in this story that they'd been together for a long time. They, They were comfortable enough with each other to dig. I mean, the whole for the whole America number, there were so many points at each other, and yet it was all done affectionately. Even some of the stuff that perhaps if have you if you'd been in a relationship with someone who perhaps didn't share your sense of humour, that song would have lasted about five seconds and ended up in an argument. But it's um, <laughs> but the, the the crackle of the dialogue and and bear in mind, spoiler alert, they don't make it to the end. But it's um you see that the heat in that relationship and it's there from the beginning from their first interaction and how that is portrayed f- through every interaction they have 
and for every bit of screen time that they share there's so much yeah ferocity there but it's born out of love it's you know that's the sort of thing that's so easy to get wrong in a film and you see it so many times when you get a coupling especially one where they're quite passionate and quite serious and intense and it's really diff it's really difficult to get it right and whatever casting procedures they went through really worked because the two of them together were electric they're really electric aren't they and um it's not just through the dialogue it's also through their chemistry together and the way jerome robbins's choreography he tailored all the choreography to each individual character and there's something about them during that scene when they sing america and at the dance at the gym where the two of them feel it's like they're physically they they physically respond to each other so effortlessly and it feels all sort of imbibed with this real sort of heat and sexuality and it feels just really exciting to watch and there's an added component to their uh, chemistry that some touched on at a certain point where I think um Anita's talking to Maria about how when Bernardo gets back from fighting uh, with the Jets, uh, I think she says he's always so healthy. And there's this slight implication that the thing about him kind of going, even though she argues with him about whether or not he has to go and have a war council and go and sort of debate all of these things rather than spending time with her, she's obviously also quite titillated by the idea of him kind of going out and fighting and coming home. And then that... um when they do the quintet of tonight and she says she sings Anita's going to get her kicks tonight he'll walk in hot and tired so what don't matter if he's tired so long as he's hot and <laughs> yeah that's quite it's quite interesting isn't it because usually in, in a particularly in a kind of musical that people associate with a certain amount of sen- sentimentality the idea would be always that all the women would against you know the men doing all of these things and in this even though Anita is against it on principle she also there's a little bit of her that finds it kind of sexy when he comes home I guess it kind of goes back to there probably is an element of like caveman type thing where she sees him as as the alpha he's the leader of the gang and that power attracts in a in a way and when he comes back from a fight if he's as she says healthy he's obviously got his testosterone yeah. going that all you know and maybe there's an element of you know if he's been in a fight he might need a little bit of nursing and there's the adrenaline pumping as well and that's yeah. you know a, a big thing that I say it's difficult to replicate and and perhaps something you might see in a city center on a Saturday evening after a few WKDs but it's um difficult to kind of <laughs> see it, it's it's difficult to to imagine that from the other side because when when you talk about the relationship with Anita and Bernardo and then on the flip side of that you've got Maria and Tony where they're very sweet and and it's the opposite of that and it's there is a contrast there that underplays and and they kind of bring out the strengths and we've talked in other episodes about almost yin and yang that kind of thing but um, they're necessary and and the the way that Maria's sort of fire and passion goes leading to the ending of the film as well. That's, you know, it's not extinguished when Bernardo dies. She still goes on to have an integral role in the film. And, and the fact that 
you know, we'll, we'll talk about this. She's in the remake 60 years later, or the, the reimagining of the story, however it's worded. But, yeah. you know, she's such an iconic person. And, and the fact that, did they, did her and Bernardo both win Oscars? Yes, they did. For best, they did yeah, yeah, for best support, best supporting actors. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to see why because of that heat and because of the passion that was there and um and seeing them together it's oh, completely. You know, it's the story it's, it's the story but it's almost a shame that you know they only got sort of two-thirds of the way through. i know i know i used to get um you know how in friends phoebe has uh, a history with a lot of famous films where she only was uh, was shown a certain amount of it by her mother before her mother would turn it off and tell her that was the end <laughs> well i had I had a bit of a similar relationship to this film in that I used to, I, I really, really loved it from when I was very small, but um, I think after a certain point it would start to make me sort of feel a bit, <laughs> a bit distressed. So I can remember before school, uh, because I used to feel quite nervous before going to primary school, um, my parents used to put this film on sometimes to help distract me, but it would always get turned off at a certain point because I think <laughs> after, the, after the point that Bernardo gets killed, there is, I, I mean, I think... I think uh, you're right, and I um, there's something about their partnership that's so convincing. Maybe in a way that people didn't necessarily sort of bargain for. That your heart is so with them as a couple; they feel very real. And there is a, a point after he gets killed where you, you're, you know, you feel really heartbroken with Anita. But at the same time, I think it works so well in terms of um, when you see how she's the one that in a way, you know, but because of that awful distressing scene that they have in the shop where she gets assaulted and then she tells them in retaliation that Maria was shot by Chino. I think that you can, you absolutely don't question why she's been driven to that point because there's something about the intensity of the heartbreak that she'll be experiencing after Bernardo is killed that I think that the audience is completely with her aren't they because that that partnership felt so real when you see them as a unit that's when they're at their strongest we see Anita working in the bridal shop and she's still very much the the queen bee and she's very much in charge there but it's it's the the relationship with Bernardo that really brings out the best in her but I'm saying completely strong and individual in their own right let's let's get that out there but it's um yeah it's just fun that to to see that when there is an element i suppose and i think deliberate there where they're pushing a lot of the fact that they maybe it's because of the background for being or the characters being from puerto rico where there is perhaps a little bit more i'll put it in inverted commas but fire and and heat that there is that passion there that it's when you compare it to a new relationship or a new beginning for what Tony and Maria are trying to have that that's because it's long-standing because there's that openness there and that's probably a relationship that in had Bernardo not gone to the rumble say rumble makes me sound old (laughs) um you know that they they may well have gone on and had grandkids great grandkids and that kind of thing and and he'd have settled down and they'd still have arguments and fights every night and still make mad passionate whatever (laughs) well that's the interesting thing isn't it is that even if he had gone to the rumble 
what arguably makes the rumble go so horribly wrong is the fact that Tony interrupts it on Maria's orders, which is really interesting because you don't associate, you know, Maria is this, you know, sort of um, beacon of purity in West Side Story. But when you look at it like that, the fact that it's her sort of saying, Tony, you have to go and stop the fight, that actually makes the fight spiral out of control. There's something about the, the physicality of everything in this film that really adds to the feeling of, of that, um, the sort of the, the anticipation kind of coursing through it all and people falling for each other and wanting each other. Like even the opening incredible scene with the two gangs sort of really sets the tone in that way because even though that's about the kind of the, the the gang warfare rather than the romantic relationships you can really tell that it's filmed on location and like it's filmed in really intense heat and that all the way through uh you know the choreographer Jerome Robbins sort of like worked all the dances so hard that at a certain point he was fired just because he was just such a perfectionist but I think that actually it really pays off not just because the choreography is so incredible and so influential, but also everyone looks like they've really been put through their paces. They all look very sweaty all the way through the film and like they're really, you know, they're really putting their bodies through a lot. And, you know, and I think um, we, were, we were talking about a lot of people involved in this film, given that it came out in 1961, that a lot of them are still with us. and when you watch it, you do can think maybe part of that is the fact that they were, they were like drilled to be so incredibly physically fit as a result of doing this film that they've been given the like the gift of eternal life. You know, I think it's something that says a lot about the the day and the style of the film. And and again, you know, not not drifting too far away from from where we like to hover in these movies but the the way that the scenes were filmed and and the fight scenes in particular it's it it took a while to adjust yeah to seeing a you know the fighting but done by people in musical theater Um, yes this is the thing so you this was your first time seeing it so i think it's it's interesting to to hear your thoughts about that the the contrast to, to modern movies and and Again, we'll see in when when the new Spielberg version of this comes out, whether there's a, an alien or a shark in it, I don't know. But it'll um, in modern films where the fighting is so over the top a little bit. I mean, I, I can't even say it's realistic because it's not. But um, watching this, and, and you see as well, I mean, that comes back a little bit to our sphere where, where it goes to the dancing. Yeah. And to see dancing like that, in a film, I mean, it's it's difficult. You know, my knowledge of his, you know, Hollywood only goes back so far. But when you think about the great films and the musicals as well, where you know you'd have dancing, you'd have choreography of movement, but to have them together with that intensity, you know a lot about sport, Rich. You know, you know a lot about football, and I and even though um, even though we're talking about dance here rather than football that there's something about the the kind of the physical grace sometimes of people sort of like achieving sort of almost like superhuman little kind of moves you know like someone scores an incredible like the best goal you've ever seen that's a little bit like how I feel when I'm watching little bits of this film where you think I don't know how they did that and how do you get that good at doing that and it feels sort of so original and you just want to watch a little moment again and again do you know what I mean 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I think I'd probably have things thrown at me by both sides if I started comparing Jerome Robbins to Arsene Wenger and um, <laughs> someone to, and that to someone else to Thierry Henry. But it's it is like that though because the, you know, there is that choreography and, and you can see when things like that work that it it's like cogs in a machine and it gets the rest of it working and and yes. and if you get and if you if you can get the choreography right if you get the music right and even though I read some when I was trying to sort of flesh out my knowledge of the film you read some of the reviews and some of the reviews of the film were so glowing about the technicality of it and how it was put together and the presentation that you know a lot of people were I wouldn't say scathing about the story or the drama and they said that perhaps they didn't need to make it to the same level and 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 then I, I didn't really notice that because again maybe I was somewhat blinded by the the spectacle but when you look at yeah. how it was all weaved together, it's amazing how well it's stood the test of time, despite some of, some of the things yeah. that aren't perhaps quite so 2021 friendly. Yeah, and I think that what we won't appreciate now in quite the same way is how daring the the subject matter was for a musical and the idea of having something end on such a sort of you know, a, a note of a really kind of haunting note. It's not something that feels uh, sunny and cuddly and pure, purely escapist. Like I think um, I re- I read about how the whole the whole musical was written by Bernstein based on a tritone, which they also call the Devil's Interval, which is just a a kind of term, a classical music term. And it and it's sort of like done on this note that makes you feel extremely sort of uneasy all the way through, and like the feeling of the music sort of is teetering between kind of hope and potential tragedy. And I think that that's really it's 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 sort of like it does capture how sort of falling in love can feel because you never really know, or at least the kind of love that they're dealing with in this film. The uncertainty of it, of it all the time, is part of what um, adds to the excitement and that kind of knot in your stomach. You don't know where it's going to lead, but that's sort of why it's thrilling. I, I do wonder about the relationship between Anita and Bernardo, where there is a fear there that what if he doesn't come home? What if yeah. the, the the risk to to the world that he's in? And it's again bearing in mind the times. And the gang's culture and, and that way of producing and, and that way of telling the story. And yeah. it, it was conveyed very well. And, and the fact that she dealt with it by being strong herself, she wasn't there pining at home for him. She was just expecting him and waiting for him to come back. Whereas yeah. with Tony and Maria, there was that looking to get away from it all and an escapism and looking beyond that. Whereas Bernardo was quite happy there he was there was a lot of the story was about immigration and and integration and and how it was almost like he was there against his will in America anyway but um where he would be the one who talked about going back but was fighting for this territory whereas Tony was trying to escape to start a different life with Maria because he'd been the leader of the the gang before that and different stages of love as you say and also the 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 idea of the in, interplay between people in the in the relationships that we're talking about as well. It's funny how some of these dance sequences are so influential on some of the 
like the pop videos that you and I would have watched when we were growing up, like the the scene where they sing cool feels so so influential on something like the bad video by Michael Jackson. Or the <laughs> I was just about video. to say that. Um, and um and and you know and and that and even though that's a very different different relationship it is still about like the idea of these two sort of factions coming at each other in this incredible way and apparently michael jackson did i i saw an interview with rita marino where apparently he did approach her once and sort of tell her that he memorized every single dance move from some of these scenes in West Side Story and I think that that really showed didn't it and also just um like the scene where they were doing America this last time when I was watching it I was thinking that it's actually a little bit like videos um like the Rum DMC it's like that video isn't it and stuff with the girls and boys kind of coming at each other and and you sort of like conveying that that thing of the difference between different factions whether it be men and women or or different gangs kind of expressing their own individuality and wanting everyone kind of hustling a little bit for authority i mean i watching it now it's difficult to you know there aren't many films that you can save especially classic films like this where you can say you've seen for the first time and yet parts of it us are so recognisable from bits in modern culture. Like you say, there's music videos, there's other films. I swear I've seen half of it through rip-offs in The Simpsons or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and when you think about representations, about gangs in Hollywood films, they're all gangs of men facing off on a basketball court, clicking their fingers at each other and things like that. And it's, yeah. It is a weird aspect of how much this has seeped in and Completely. but then that's the strange thing about again coming at this in with our don't you want me goggles on I was aware of that it was based on Romeo and Juliet and then it got to the point where at the end and watching it for the first time I'm expecting a similar ending to Romeo and Juliet and I'm sure a lot of people were as well yes um, when it first came out and at the end when she doesn't take her own life as in the the original this is a remake essentially but it's um yeah she she doesn't do that and then all of a sudden you're like oh wow okay where's this going and um yeah you're so conditioned to something that when it doesn't happen it's like oh okay that's interesting but uh yeah and i'll get on record because you know we've, we've talked about it and joked about it but the uh, the first time I, I ever heard America was on the opening credits of the BBC's coverage of the 1994 World Cup, which I had no idea was from West Side Story because I was 14. Why would I twig such things? There's a reason why something like America from West Side Story or Ness and Dorma by Puccini works really well when they're used in some of these football programs is because that actually the feeling that people can can get from from sport and from watching an amazing piece of art like West Side Story is actually quite close and, and one thing can complement the other. Yeah, very much. But yeah. again, you know, one one scene that you touched upon earlier and it kind of impacts on 
on where we are and this is after after Bernardo's died and Tony's waiting for Maria for their they're going to elope or just run away together I don't know. but it's when when they're yeah. in the when he's hiding in the stall wait, waiting for Doc to come back with the money for him to go away and she goes in and the rest of the gang are there and and as you put it very delicately she's assaulted by them she it goes from taunting to roughhousing to you know very nearly something very serious indeed and that because yeah. of because of her loyalty to Bernardo trumps that of her loyalty to Maria because that's the relationship to her that's been stolen from her despite the fact that she doesn't want to lose Maria to Tony yeah. and, and, and to run away that that still has that hold on her enough that after being through all that that convinces her that you know that, that it's her form of revenge because of having Bernardo taken away from her that she's willing to to do that to her friend and you know, essentially crush her dreams that because of what they do to her i wonder whether that makes her think that tony ultimately is just like another one of the jets and they've just done something so horrifying to her that she thinks actually because she sort of says that if you know if, if if one of you you know if one of you were were dying i wouldn't i wouldn't stop to spit on you you know like she delivers a line like that on her way out and it does almost feel like she's going, you know what, you lot are all monsters, you know, understandably. Well, yeah, very much. And and, and in the song, a boy like that, and she, and, and the song goes about if, if well, I can't remember the exact lyrics because I haven't yep. ruined my Spotify algorithm with it, but she's talking about how... <laughs> if, if, how it was if if he can kill he can't love or, or something like that um so it's by yes. the by the fact that he has killed bernardo that means he can't truly love maria and you know th there is that kind of weird i mean it's the portrayal of the relationship that she doesn't seem that bothered her brother's dead that leads you into an interesting train of thought i think about how you are when you're a teenager because i know that I, I know that in, in this version of Romeo and Juliet in West Side Story, you've got Richard Bamer and um, Natalie Wood, who definitely aren't teenagers at this point. But they're, you know, essentially the whole story is based on the idea of Romeo and Juliet, who I think may be meant to be 13 and 14. And that moment in life where, and, and I think it's really easy to sort of forget how it feels to be sort of like at that moment in your existence with hormones coursing through you. And you've got this, like, you know, I think that, I don't know whether everyone experiences it, but I think it's very common to develop kind of crushes on people at that age that are so unbelievably intense and irrational and can make all the people around you, you know, sort of friends and family feel as if you've completely forgotten about them because the feeling is so unbelievably you know kind of crazy in some ways and I don't think you know I I think that as you as you get older you sort of forget how how it sort of feels to be quite that irrationally taken with someone so maybe that's it I know and I know exactly what you mean it doesn't it doesn't feel as if she's that bothered but then you think but maybe that is sort of 
part of the madness of being at that moment in your life. Like you've got a capacity to fall in love really quickly with someone you hardly know. <laughs> That's so unbelievably intense. I suppose maybe this is where the cliche comes from. I don't know about meet their eyes meeting across the dance floor yeah. and and falling from there, and it's all very sweet and it's um, amazing to see how it all happens and looking at it now you kind of think again I've I've talked on on other podcasts about watching so-called classic films at this stage of my life and thinking they were probably wasted on me and I guess if I'd watched this when I was 14 or 15 it probably would have been and maybe now like you say if I can almost transport myself, <laughs> almost transport myself back to being that age and thinking you know whatever the the girl in history class or the whatever you know that's not true by the way could it be yes it could something's coming something good if i can wait something's coming i don't know what it is but it is gonna be great when tony sings something's coming uh, at the beginning of, of this film this time for some reason i as you know i I am a, a fan of the series Sex and the City, Rich. You already know that about me. I do. And there's this uh, famous, there's a famous quote from Miranda in, in Sex and the City where uh, she says, I've, I've written it down, she says, Men are like cabs. When they're available, their light goes on. They wake up one day and decide they're ready to settle down, have babies, whatever, and then they turn their light on. Next woman they pick up, boom, that's the one they'll marry. It's not fate, it's dumb luck. And there's... That bit, just to quote, you know, quoting another, another seminal New York piece of art there, but that bit where Tony sings Something's Coming, and he he's it, and it's before he's met Maria, but he's anticipating. It's like he's already, he feels ready. He's been part of this gang, the Jets, he's co-founded it, and now he feels ready for something different. He's going to get a job, and he feels ready to fall in love and he sings a song about it and I think you know and I thought Hash, yeah it's a little bit like that thing that Miranda says in Sex in the City now Rich I'm not a man but you are do you have any thoughts on that <laughs> I suppose in a Nostradamus sort of way I guess if you're mentally there to sing a song then you're probably mentally there to love I don't know it's um yeah and it, you know he's unpacking bottles of coke in an alleyway talking to Riff it's the first time we mentioned Riff's name isn't it yes and and all this and you know sort of like something's on the horizon I can feel it you know I can feel it in my whatever and yeah. th- there is that kind of thing and and I know you know there, there's I'm sure, I can't remember the name of, I saw some film once and it was always like about a, a guy who when he went out on a date with a woman that once he'd been out on a date with them, they'd then meet the man of their dreams. And it's a weird kind of position to be in, to to have that sensation. And I guess this is all set very briefly, isn't it? Is it over a weekend or something like that, or over a couple of days? Yeah, it must be over a couple of days, yeah. Um, and, you know, to, I mean, it's a very intense weekend, isn't it? I mean, it's like... <laughs> you, know, to, to, you know, I mean... The, Tony's gone from you know his his job working in the shop um, to falling in love to killing someone to being shot dead on a basketball court. I mean, it's the sort of stuff you get on a stag do, maybe, but <laughs> having it in your own backyard. Yeah, you'd really need some serious sofa time at the end of this. 
this might be i think is this the oldest film we've watched so far yeah by by quite a way I was really struck, actually, by how much agency the women have in this film. And I think, you know, that's that's part of what makes it still feel so fresh, along with all the other elements that we've been talking about. The women drive a lot of the narrative. And, you know, you've either got, uh, I think her name is Anybody's, who's the, the girl that's in the Jets, who also is the one that successfully sort of tells tells I think it's Ice that um, Chino has a plot to kill Tony so between Anita Maria and anybody's actually there's a there's quite a lot of you know it's actually the women that make quite a big difference to the plot and as you touched on earlier in Romeo and Juliet Juliet dies and Maria lives in this and that speech that Natalie Wood gives at the end of the film really feels incredibly affecting and uh, like she's been given a voice for the first time at the beginning of the film you sort of see Bernardo being incredibly protective over her and you hear her father calling out to her while she's on the balcony you feel very much like all of these men in her life are making it quite difficult for her to sort of find her voice and be herself and just be free and that's one thing about it even though it's such a tragic piece there's something about Maria at the end with all of the gangs surrounding her letting her speak and her being the one to pick up that gun and tell them all you know what the deal is and then walking out on her own with that scarf over her head that feels sort of so biblical there is a moment at the end of West Side Story where it does feel like that maybe the light at the end of the tunnel is that maybe Maria's kind of found her independence on some level you kind of see like how again it's over a weekend and how much she's grown and evolved as a person you know she's what I suppose I wouldn't say betrothed to Chino but certainly lined up to to end up with uh, she discovers yes. Tony along the way, and and Chino's the one that breaks it to her that Tony's killed her brother, which I suppose again makes their relationship slightly warped. Bear in mind he actually ended up killing Tony, didn't he? But it's um, God, this is oh, everyone's yeah. killing each other and doing stuff to each other. It's all I know it's very dark, isn't it? You you really didn't know what you were bargaining for when you um. I thought this was all just pe- people dancing and clicking their fingers. And, and when, I mean, I, I yeah. watched this over two nights and thank God this film had an intermission because <laughs> just this is very much a film of two halves to give it a football analogy. But it's um, it's strange because as we spoke between the two halves of the film, between me watching yes. them, and... Um, you know, and you said, "Oh, the the second part is a lot darker." And I was like, "Okay, well, you know, I, I having watched an, <laughs> an hour of how can I put it flamboyance, it's yeah difficult to then see how dark it goes." Um, yeah, yeah. It, it it does get quite gritty, doesn't it? Whenever I've shown it to anyone, it um it always really really surprises them. And it actually, and and even though I've seen it countless times, it always surprises me too when it, when I watch it again. There's something about yeah that the, the last the last hour and then kind of like the sort of devastation you feel at the like right at the end like I heard as well that the um, the 
the closing credits of West Side Story are really great um, with all the names written on the wall in chalk, you know. And apparently that was designed by uh, Saul Bass and his wife, Elaine, and, um, you know, who did all the incredible like uh, film posters like Vertigo and hmm. so on and so forth. And apparently part of the reasoning for them kind of going that extra mile to make the credits uh, really gripping was so that people kind of had time to kind of collect themselves, if you know what I mean, at the end okay. of the film, rather than just being sort of straight credits. Because you know, so there's, there's sort of something at the end where you can kind of sit through it and you feel a bit kind of lulled just because everyone's so shell shocked. And I do always feel shell shocked when I watch it, like, even though I know what's coming. I always, you know, yeah, I always, oh god, it's really not me for six. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay, and I pity any girl who's in me today. I feel charming, oh so charming, it's alarming how charming I feel, and so pretty that I hardly can believe I'm real. Marie and Tony. Like, even with them, even with the fact that they're kind of, you know, the most sort of sentimental bit of the film, they've got that really lovely scene, don't they, in the bridal shop where they're kind of messing around with the mannequins. And it is all sort of so lovely and playful. And, yeah, you know, they... they And her her singing I Feel Pretty and dancing on the roof and things. You know, they there's something about some of the moments between the two of them that have this kind of joy to them. It's very different from the joy that we see between Bernardo and Anita, but um, yeah, it's still it's still a lovely lovely moments of levity, isn't it? Yeah, that's very innocent when they were sort of dressing up and pretending that the mannequins were her parents, and uh, yeah, but there, there was through that through through the medium of performance that there was them getting to know each other that he was afraid of his mum and her parents were a certain way and um, and how they would pretend to marry and, and live together and, and be together. And, um, yeah, innocent times. This is the sort of thing I suppose you do when you're that age or whatever age they were pretending to be. Even though they inhabit a space that's more innocent to the one that Anita and Bernardo inhabits, uh, there's still something about when they sing tonight and the the lyrics to that and the feeling of that music that does feel like it's kind of got that sort of delicious anticipation to it, doesn't it? It's like it has that feeling of, you know, you just can't wait for the night to cut in. There's, you know, the they, they have the lines about like today the hours went so slowly and, you know, and, you know, everyone can relate to that thing, can't you? Like you're, you're sitting, you're sitting in front of your laptop and it's, it's only 2.15 and there's someone that you're excited about seeing in the evening. Like, I can't believe it's only 2.15. How can it only be 2.15? I wonder if in, in a 2021, and I think the, the new version, the, the Spielberg one, is set when the original musical was done. So that was, what, 57, something like that, 57, 58? Yeah. So, so it's still going to have that feel to it, that, that vibe, where you wonder how that would work now. And I do wonder working... In, in London where the gangs of London operate in a certain way and I don't think they quite wield a knife with the same pizzazz. I think it's difficult to, you know, do clicking your fingers with a zombie knife. As a problem that runs through society in different ways in terms of it being difficult for people to just be with the people that they want to be with. I mean, it's so... 
it's it's ongoing, isn't it? I mean, obviously certain aspects have improved, but then other other aspects remain, and that's what makes it really powerful. I think as a piece still. Well, as we hang up our white dresses and resolve never to interrupt a rumble again, we leave you with this advice. You want to live in this lousy world? Play it cool. I've been Rich. I've been Kat. And this has been Don't You Want Me. Oh,